Introduction A significant fact which stands out is that those parts of India which have been longest under British rule are the poorest today. Indeed, some kind of chart might be drawn up to indicate the close connection between length of British rule and progressive growth of poverty. Jawaharlal Nehru, The Discovery of India The British East India Company served as one of the key players in the formation of the British Empire. From its origins as a trading company struggling to keep up with its superior Dutch, Portuguese, and Spanish competitors, to its tenure as the ruling authority of the Indian subcontinent, to its eventual hubistic downfall, the East India Company serves as a lens through which to explore the much larger economic and social forces that shape the formation of a global British empire. As a private company that became a non-state global power in its own right, the East India Company also serves as a cautionary tale all too relevant to the modern world's current political and economic situation. On its most basic level, the East India Company played an essential part in the development of long-distance trade between Britain and Asia. The trade in textiles, ceramics, tea, and other goods brought a huge influx of capital into the British economy. This not only fueled the Industrial Revolution, but also created a demand for luxury items amongst the middle classes. The economic growth provided by the East India Company was one factor in Britain's ascendancy from the middling regional power to the most powerful nation on the planet. The profits generated by the East India Company also created incentive for other European powers to follow its lead, which led to three centuries of competition for colonies around the world. This process went well beyond Asia to affect most of the planet, including Africa and the Middle East. Beyond its obvious influence in areas like trade and commerce, the East India Company also served as a point of cultural contact between Western Europeans, South Asians, and East Asians. Quintessentially British practices such as tea drinking were made possible by East India Company trade. The products and cultural practices traveling back and forth on East India Company ships from one continent to another also reconfigured the way societies around the globe viewed sexuality, gender, class, and labor. On a much darker level, the East India Company fueled white supremacy and European concepts of Orientalism. In Bengal, the region where the rebellion that would change British-Indian relations permanently took place, the company shared power with a local Nawab. The company was given increasing responsibility, including the power to collect taxes, or Diwani, in 1773. Many have criticized this dual authority of both local Indian rulers and the rule of company officials as allowing for greater corruption and creating anger and resentment throughout Bengal. Though a defender of Britain's contributions to India's history and economy, Kartal Albani calls the company's collection of the Diwani short-sighted greed and charges the company with a horrendous blunder concerning the role of revenue collection. To the Indian people, the events of 1857 are known as the First War for Independence. For the British, the time is referred to as a mutiny, an uprising, or a rebellion. It is ironic that a similar story played out just under 100 years earlier, during the American Revolution, or as the Americans called it, the War for Independence. Whatever the moniker, in 1857, one of the Indian armies, the Bengal, mutinied. In the most cursory histories of the period, the cause of the rebellion is simply cited as an oversight, a change in the type of grease used in powder cartridges rumored to contain animal fat. This revelation horrified both Hindus and Muslims. The British response, which either failed to recognize the need to address the growing rumors, or attempted to force Muslim and Hindu soldiers to use the ammunition despite their objections, made things worse. Author John McLeod explains that though the controversy over animal-greased rifle cartridges was the immediate cause of the conflict, economic, religious, and political resentment existed and had been worsening throughout 1856. 
He also argues that rather than the uprising being attributable to either one incident or one cause, such as concerns over attempts at religious conversion by Christian officers, anger at the British in general, or frustration over specific tax policies, the rebellion was fueled not only by those with specific complaints against the British, but by those who sought to end up on the right side of history. McLeod argues that many Indians joined the rebellion only after the tide seemed to be turning in favor of Indian rebels. In general, the deciding factor was whether or not such leaders felt that their interests and those of the people under their command would be best served by ending British rule. McLeod concludes that the basis of the mutiny was ultimately economic, observing that the commercial and educated classes of Calcutta, Bombay, and Madras had prospered under company dominance and held back.